Welcome to Inside Groove, the only motorsports show where super modifieds are king. Methanol is aromatic and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, Tom Baker. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Inside Groove Supermodified Podcast. This is episode 113. My name is Tom Baker. I'm the host of the show, and thank you for tuning in to listen. I'm going to just start this show with a bit of a disclaimer. This show is all Mike Silliman's fault. The reason that we're doing this show is all Mike Silliman's fault. Um, (laughs) And Mike is going to join me in a minute to talk about why we're doing this show. Um, But I'll give you a little bit of of background on this. Um, This show could be a whole lot of fun because here's what happened. So the other day, um, Mike sent me a message and asked me when was my first time going to a Swigo. Now he knew that it was in 1973, but he did not know which week. And, and I said, well, I, I've been trying to figure that out. I said, but I'm not sure, um, you know, if I can, I said, I, um, I know it was in 73 and I know Jimmy won. And I said, I think Ronnie Wallace finished second, but I had never really, you know, done any research. I mean, I have a bunch of 73 programs, but I've just never, never looked it up. And I kind of figured at one point in my head that when we finally got to the 73 season rewinds and we got a lot of 72 left. So um, we're not going to get there anytime soon, but I said, maybe when we get there, (laughs) I'll, I'll sort of figure it out and it'll kind of be a, a surprise and, and, and that would be fun. Um, because I didn't know if Ronnie had actually ever finished second, like in my head, I'm going, did I remember that? Right. And the reason that I, that I believe have always remembered it that way is because my father was a big Swifty fan. And, um, I remember that it was him who told me that Ronnie was driving the 10 pins and that was Swifty's car. Um, now my sister, was also a big Swifty fan. Um, and so um, I, I think that story is going to probably come up here in, in the, sh- in the course of this show. So um, Mike goes ahead and looks up through, goes through, I don't know. He might, I don't know if he's got them all written out or, but it, it didn't take him long. May 19th of 1973, I believe is what he said. Ronnie finished second to Jimmy. And I'm thinking maybe that's it. Maybe that was my first night. Um, And so he said that his first night, I believe he said July. Um, I could look at my phone here for a minute and and see the message, but I will save that for when he comes on because he's going to join me. Now, here's what we're going to do with this show. Um, First of all, we are going to do what's in the number. And... (laughs) The thing I love about this show is that it becomes unpredictable because one of you will throw me a curveball that sort of demands a show or it takes the show in a direction I wasn't intending to take it. And it just becomes a lot of fun. So Robert Metcalf is is the one at fault. It's all his fault that we're stuck in double numbers now each week for a while because 
I did. I started at episode 36 with the what's in the number thing and started talking about the relevance of each episode number in Oswego Speedway and Super Modified history. And we got to uh, 99 and I was done. And Robert said, well, no, you should start at double zero and keep going up to 35 because then you'll complete all the car numbers. Well, when we got to, you know, I went double zero, oh one, oh two, oh three, oh four, all the way up to oh nine. Then we got to one and it was episode 110. And what I realized is that if I didn't do both one and 10, that either one of those numbers was going to get skipped and we would never do it because once you get to 35, we're done. So it, I thought of, I thought, well, if I do both of them, then we'll go one and 10, two and 11, three and 12. And now we're up to episode 113. So we have to do number four and number 13. Those are both fun numbers because both are numbers for which there were a, a, a fair amount of drivers involved because the um, the Shamrock 13 and the the number four, the Wissing four, both had a number of drivers in it over the years. You know, they were um, the four, maybe not so much. Gary Kelly drove it a lot of the time, but we'll get to all that. So, um, and it was actually the number 13 that started the whole uh, 72 season rewind idea because I pulled it out of the, uh, out of a box and I pulled the program out of the box that out of a box that happened to be from 72 and it happened to be Murphy in the 13. And I had this realization that I'm holding a 50 year old program in my hand, which just really blew my mind. I mean, it's, that's amazing to think about, right? Well, so Mike's, <laughs> Mike Silliman points out that both of us, for both of us, the 2023 season is our 50th anniversary, basically, of of going to the track. You know, it and so um it <laughs> that completely blew my mind because I never kind of made that connection. You know, I never just thought of it like that. Like that's pretty cool, right? So as we got talking about that, I'm like, oh, we got to do a groove show about this and, and just sort of, you know, look back and, and talk about, you know, that and talk about growing, you know, and, and the early years of us going there and things we remember and whatever. And so, um, Mike said, well, I don't know if, if that many people know that either one of us have been going there that long, you'll probably blow our cover. And I said, <laughs> I said, I said, no, I'm not blowing my cover. Everybody knows how old I am and my brain's shutting off more frequently. So, um, but, but I, so here's what we're, we're doing with this show. Number one, Mike is going to assist me. He doesn't know this part yet. He's going to assist me with the what's in a number, um, four and 13. So we'll, we'll kind of include that, but this show is going to be the most freeform show I've ever done. Because even when I've had, you know, Larry Trinka on in the past or whoever I've had, there's always been some sort of a, a theme, you know, with most of the drivers. We're talking about their background or we're talking about if it's, you know, one of the current guys and he's back on again, we're talking about a big win, whatever. We've always had kind of a purpose 
the only purpose for having Mike on in this show is for he and I to just be amazed that we <laughs> we've been going to the tracks in 73. And, and when I haven't been able to go, I've watched almost all of the, the races on online. Um, and so um, he's got a probably longer consecutive streak than me because I missed most of the 86 season. And I, um, and I've, you know, obviously missed a lot of the more current dates cause I've been away. Um, but again, I've watched the most of the, the recent, like I watch every week on flow. Um, and so, um, you know, and I used to, when it was on, you know, previous to, to flow as well. Um, but again, you know, we're, what we're going to do is just think back and, and we're just going to talk about the old days and whatever comes up, comes up. So this show will either be a really great show or <laughs> I, I hope it will be boring. I hope you'll all enjoy two, two uh, elder statesmen, um, <laughs> well-experienced uh, Speedway fans, um, you know, just sort of sitting back and talking about what it was like to be, you know, as young as we were. I, I don't know how old he was when he started going. Um you know, he's so good with the stats that I always think he's been going longer than me, but I think I'm older than he is, but maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. I've always thought I was older than Mike. Um, but I may, I may, may learn a lesson, may learn, uh, something here on that, but it, it's this show I hope will be fun. Okay. So that's what we're going to do with this now. Um, Real quick, before we take a break and get to Mike, I, I do want to let you all know that um, we are, uh, and this is a teaser, the um, both of my communities on the Magic platform are ready to open, and we're going to do that this week. We're going to open both of them. Now, there is a contest that's going to be starting um and right now we're, we're hoping to launch it March 1st, but we, we're still working on a couple things, but we're going to start quarterly contests that are going to be focused on, on that community, on those communities. And we're going to have some fun giveaways. I am just so excited. It's taken me way longer to put all of this together. And, and the one thing I can tell you is that when you, when, when you see what the communities are now, Okay, you're seeing a sliver of what it's going to be in three months and then even more in six months. This, um, the folks who own this platform, there are pieces that are being added to this platform. There's already 800,000 people on it and it's already really seriously remonetized the music industry. And now, you know, it, they're just starting to slowly you know, branch out and, and we're the first motorsports entity on it. I can tell you if you're a driver or a track or a series, you know, or a race team, um, this platform will, will make you 10 times more marketable to sponsors than you were. And it doesn't matter if you've got a thousand people in your community or 10,000. I mean, it does, but, um, but even a, a thousand people in one of these communities is way more, uh, to your advantage than than 5,000 people on Facebook just because of the tools and, and the fact that everything works through an app. So keep in mind that people are engaging. Um, everybody has to have the app to um, 
to to access your community, even if you know if they um, do it through the through their PC. But all the interactive stuff that happens through the app is the reason why this literally is magic. Um, and there are some things I learned last week that are just beyond anything that I would have ever thought this would be eventually. So lots going to happen in a hurry this year with regard to that platform. So um happy that we're finally going to be able to kind of get it started and we're going to start some, some contests and you're going to have to, um, you're going to have to, to plug in in order to take advantage. So um, we're doing that because we want to get you over there so we can do even more giveaways and, and create unique opportunities. And we can't do it with social media because um, I need some of the, the the things that that platform offers to to make it work. So um, can't wait for all that. I It's taken me over two years to kind of put all the pieces together to really um, achieve what I wanted to for the sport. Um, in general and grassroots in particular and uh, the magazine we're working on we've got stories already um, plugged in for issue two um, and uh, it'll be a nice uh, feature on Kemp Dates in there and um, can't wait to to start that this year too Um, that goes to print um, later in March so um, it's a quarterly so uh, anyway there you go there's Everything I need to do except one thing. Thank you to Richworth and JNS Paving, Sean Cathcart and LaGroff's Pub, and also to Jeff West and IPC Indy for uh, for continuing to support this show. And uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Mike Silliman's going to hop on. And I don't know what we're going to talk about. I just know it's going to be focused on 1973 and... Um, and, and it, it, I have no idea where this is going to go, which is why I'm so excited to get it started. So I'm going to shut up and let you listen to me talk about one of our sponsors. And then we'll be back with uh, Mike Silliman right after that. Experience the age-old Irish hospitality at LaGroff's Pub and Grill, Oswego's premier local spot to grab a cold one and cheer on your favorite sports teams. Stop in for an ice cold beer alongside some exceptional pub fare. Burgers, wings, chicken sandwiches, Philly cheesesteaks, soups, and more. You want it, they've got it. Served up with more than 40 years of awesome customer service. Have a friendly game of darts against players from across the world. That's right, players from across the world. Where else? In Oswego, can you go to play darts against somebody from across the world? That's crazy. Watch the games on their eight big screen TVs or just relax at Oswego's Neighborhood Bar and Grill. LaGroff's Pub, 187 East 10th Street in Oswego. Check them out on LaGroff's.com. Okay, folks, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors here on Inside Groove, Indie Performance Composites. They're a premier composite design and manufacturing company creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Jeff West and his team are amazing. They do all kinds of work in the motorsports industry from dirt tracks to NASCAR to IndyCar, super modifieds. It doesn't matter if you've got something that you need designed or fabricated. Let them help you transform your idea, your vision, and your budget into 
a workable, high-performance solution. They have all kinds of services, from 3D printing to finishing services, end-to-end composite solutions is what they are. Check them out, ipcindy.com or indieperformancecompositesinc.com, and tell them that the folks from Inside Groove set you. Welcome back to Inside Groove, and I don't really know what to call this show except um, to say that uh, it could go anywhere from here. Mike Silliman has joined me uh, via the hotline, or I guess I should call it the race line. That's the cool term. Um, and Mike, uh, as as I mentioned in the open, Mike sent me a message the other day and asked me, you know, when did, when, when did I start going? What date? And, um, Mike, I think we figured out that I may have started going, um, a month or two before you did, even though you're three years older than me, you were eight when you started going in 1973 and I was five. Yeah, that's the way it kind of looks there. So interesting. <clears throat> so, okay. So let's, let's kind of, uh, we need one of those sort of blurry time shift uh, little video montages there where, you know, everything gets blurry and then uh, we're suddenly back 50 years to 1973. What, what is, what do you remember about your first night? I mean, I, I know Jimmy won my first night. What do you remember about yours? You're probably going to remember like heat race finishes if I know you well enough. Yeah. One of the things it was, it was funny because like, I'd been around the cars for a few years because they were always all over town, you know, and on these open trailers and stuff and in yeah. the neighborhood. And so we're always, as kids, look at these cars. And I didn't have a family that went to the races. So oh, okay. it was kind of like, that's why I think it was like, you know, eight years old before I went. And one of my cousins said, you know, Clown, you know, I kept bugging everybody. I wanted to go to the races and see the races. And uh, that's what everybody did, you know, Saturday night in Oswego in 1973, you were either at the races or home watching Lawrence Welk or something like that, you know? So, <laughs> so anyways, uh, the, the one thing I, it was weird is like how small the cars were, you know, cause you know, you would buy the programs, you know, that you, you walk into Carson's or CJ's and the program sitting man. there and, and you know, we're you know, I, I'd been buying those before I even went to the races, you know, because oh, okay. you know, cars were in there, you know. And then how small the cars were, it was, you know, from the grandstands, it was kind of neat. That was the first thing I always remember, you know. That's interesting. See, yeah. I don't remember thinking that. I remember kind of the opposite. Like, I, I think for me it was yeah. how fast they were. Yeah. Yeah, that was the other thing, too. I mean, they're just whipping around there, you know, you nothing like you've ever seen before you know yeah which in another facet thinking about it spoiled me going to any other kind of racing because i remember i went to uh went to i think weedsport or something and i'm like wow these guys are slow you know <laughs> compared to, to to what we're used to seeing or going up to fulton and the mods and the street stocks were running around there and it was just like you know why are these guys so slow you know so it's funny that you even bring up weed sport because I used to, and, I, and my sister and brother in law were the first ones to take me to Fulton and to weed sport because they always were sort of the, you know, they liked it all. So they, they, they just yeah. kind of wandered. But, um, my first memory of weed sport was how much, 
how I thought it was funny when a car would fall off the track. <laughs> you know, I mean, like yeah. I'm, you know, six or whatever, five, six. And, and mm-hmm. to me, that was hilarious. The car would go down the track and then a few seconds later it would come back up on the track. And, and um, only years later, when I was actually running a, a dwarf car media race at Brewerton and Bill Foley almost pushed me off the track in turn two, um, that did I realize like there's danger out <laughs> When you do that, right? Like, I just thought it was funny, but um, it was a junkyard down there, and, um, you know, you don't want to go there. So, yeah, that's – and then Fulton, for me, it was the fact that the track was set so low in the bowl. Yeah. You know, that's – it was, like, down. Like, you could – you had much better visibility of the track at Fulton than you – you know, at Oswego just because, you know, again, you were looking down – um, at, at the cars more and there was no kind of obstructed view like there is in some um, some rows of the grandstand of Oswego but um, but getting back to Oswego I think for me just sensory overload right like the smell the 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 smells the sounds the sights the colors all the different shapes of the cars it was just this incredible thing that that you never could have imagined and i just remember how hooked i was after the i wanted to go back again right and well, i mean what was you know do you remember who won the first night you went uh jimmy champagne yeah <laughs> familiar it's a familiar theme it, it seems yeah. to be a recurring theme um yeah. what was the date for you <clears throat> um well i had to look this up because uh so it looks like it was july 14th okay so you and, said uh, mine was May sixteenth, you thought, or nineteenth, whatever it was. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. what was what? Talk, talk about your first night. What do you remember? The, the the one thing I do remember it was I was excited to see the the Red Holinsky nineteen Jimmy Cheney. Oh really? You know? And he was on the program a few weeks before that, and I actually bought that program. And that car, I just thought that was the coolest car, and. So as soon as we got there, he was out there in warm-ups and ran about three laps and blew the motor. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I never got to see him run that night, you know. And after that, he didn't run. Well, he was, he had some, because I was hit and miss going the first year. I mean, I wasn't there weekly, but it seemed like every time I went, he had an issue. So. Oh, <laughs> It's all your fault. So, see? Yeah, it's all my fault. But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that that was that was pretty cool that night. Um, but the other car that was like the twin to that was Buck Buckley. Yeah, the three, the red three, yeah. and uh, he was uh, he won everything that night. He won his heat, won his semi. He looked like he was going to win the feature. I think he led probably twenty five laps. Oh, really? And uh, yeah, and they, they were like so you know that was. Uh, that was something. That was one thing I do remember about that. But uh, like you said, the, the cars were just so. There was so much stuff that was different. I mean, there was rear engine cars there. There was uprights. Yeah. There was roadsters. There may have been an indie road, old indie roadster too, still going. Um, you know, the checkerboard car, Cecil Stevens. Out of Canada. Uh, you know, you, you the never truck wagon. Nobody's ever, yeah, nobody's ever had a design <laughs> like that. You know. Yeah, 
I but, mean, uh, I saw a picture of that not too long ago. It, it, yeah, that's it, what it reminded me of it. It was on, uh, someone had it on the internet. Yeah, but, uh, and looking back, it was kind of like, it looks like a tablecloth. <laughs> Right. It's got that red and white checker. It's like a tablecloth. You know, yeah. it's uh, it's funny that and, and I don't know if he built that or where that came from. But I, I some of the I mean, back then, if if they only got 30 cars, it was considered a bad night. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I was reading back some of the stuff actually earlier today because I got on Jake's, which he's got tremendous oh, yeah. Jake's uh, site is awesome. reference of articles on there. And uh, just jogging my memory a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I mean, usually you're somewhere between 36 and 45 cars, yeah. you know, every Saturday night. So, so, um, but, yeah, like a 30-car field would be devastating back then. Yeah, it's amazing to think about yeah. that now. And, and again, yeah. just the variety. I mean, and even thinking about Swift because – when I think about Nolan, he he had Ronnie in the car to start with and then decided that, you know, he I mean, he could do better. Right. So he, you know, basically just just um, and Ronnie ended up, I think, going to the five. And then mm-hmm. um, I was I was wondering if you were going to because Jim Cheney actually drove the 10 pins one night that. Year. Yeah. Yeah. And it was what well, was funny then. And that's when I was kind of really going uh getting really involved he uh swift won his second feature back in, in the uh, car late yeah. july yeah and that was the night cheney cheney flipped the car bad and wrecked so they were going to be out for a few weeks and uh that was actually incidentally that was the night kenny andrews got sat down oh uh, yeah he was a little over aggressive that night and caused the first two accidents between Cheney and Champagne and okay and stuff, but then uh, I mean Cheney was high in points there, second or third, and you know Swift put him in the car the next week. Okay, because um, he needed a you know he was looking for for a ride, um, so he drove that the next week, and then I think he ended up in Kemp Dates' car. Yes, yeah, and because uh, um, I think if I'm not mistaken, I think Conium. Um, had gone to the old four by then, right? Yeah, he was in that yeah. all year. Yeah, because he had run it the year before. But that was that was one of the other things. You looking through the stuff, the way guys would just jump from car to car, you know. Yeah. Uh, on a night, you know, uh, you know, like Ronnie started in the ten pins, and then Swift got back behind, so he jumped in the five, which Macrath was in there, so Macrath jumped in the Reese car, and you know the. The ninety, uh, which used to be that was one of my favorite cars. I just loved the the Dominic car, and they must have had about six drivers that year. Oh, at least because Macrath drove that once or twice. Yeah, Stelder, Graves, um, gosh, who else? Do you who else do you Cheney. Was, Cheney did okay. Yep, Macrath. Yep. Um, Sippers ended up. He was a really steady driver once he took over. They brought him in off the dirt. Yeah, back that was his first, first ride, August, I think, and, wasn't it? Uh, kept him the rest of the year. That was his first ride. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they probably had five, six drivers that year. Yeah, it's it's interesting to think about when when that's a car that that Dubigan car. That's a car that, um, you know, you didn't really. I mean, I don't. 
I don't know what its best finish was or whatever or who would have, but I think I think when he first built it, didn't it come out a year or two before and Joe Orso was driving it, wasn't it Orso that was uh, in it? I believe it was. Yeah, and I think Grambolia drove yeah. drove for 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 Dunnigan too, um yeah. for a short time and then ended up going to the modifieds. But um yeah, it's it's those those cars and that we can kind of um we can later on we we'll we'll get to it but um the numbers this week are four and 13 and there's two more cars that you can we can talk about that had if even if you just think about the murphy 13 and the whistling four you had how many drivers in those cars so we'll get to that um but the the 13 i think in 73 if i remember right it was either ronnie madison or it was jimmy muldoon in the car i don't remember which or maybe yeah, I think both. it was, uh, if I looked right, it was Jimmy Muldoon, because okay. Madison was in, uh, he was Jack Tobin's first driver that That's year. That's right, yeah. In the 80, that old Indy car. He had come off the, the he had had the old Graves, or the old Swift car, and I think Ronnie Graves was in that, as 81 right. that year, right? Yeah, yeah. That I was think still Ronnie, Ronnie still owned it at that time. Yeah, I think so, and too. Ronnie yeah. Graves drove it. Yeah, and and which is really interesting. Again, you just think about you know, how things started. I think that might've been Ron Graves first, first car, uh, first ride, unless he drove, I know Freddie had that old 92. I don't know if Ronnie ever drove that at all, but, um, but this might've been Ronnie's first ride, but that old, that old Swift car was still, and then you had the, 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 you also had the convertible, um, the Rikert car, the Turner brothers car. So those, Mm -hmm. those heavy cars were still, Again, when you think about the variety and gosh, watching Gary in that car, he could run the outside like nobody's business with that thing. Yeah. Yeah. People didn't realize it then. I mean, uh, the um, the modifies could just get through the corners, you know, yeah. um, they were a lot heavier. They didn't have you know, the carburetor, so they didn't have the horsepower, or the torque, but boy, they could get through the corners. I mean, even that was... Uh, I think back until probably in the 90s, early 2000s, I remember we were down there just like timing corners. Mm-hmm. And before the Supers, we have now got all the arrow. I think the mods were still a little quicker in the, in, you know, through the center of the corners. That would make than, sense. Than the Supers were. Yeah. You know. Yep. But, uh, yeah, that car, I was reading some uh, interesting things on it because I remember there was a lot of, a lot of protesting on it, and they finally sat them down for one week. Um, some of the guys uh, weren't happy with the car because it did something to do with the rules. It broke the rules. But, uh, I mean, I think the biggest thing on it was the way it was. It was a modified, and I don't think they wanted to get you know spun out and get hit by it. Well, I think that was the bigger, it seemed to me, I remember that that being the bigger and, and, and somehow, yeah, it protruded like the wheel width rule or some chassis width or something. I don't know what it was. It was sort of a silly thing, but, but I think it was just the, the weight. I think they were. And so I think that's when that was in 74 because he raced it. He raced it for two years. Um, Yeah. Yeah, he had to make some changes in 73. There was something because um, they sat him down in August okay. for a week and made them fix something because they did him and Joe McGarry's car because Joe McGarry had the 
had another modified that was That converted. was also, yes, I just found yeah. that out not long ago. I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, they were able to run it in 74 and stuff, but uh, it was, uh, I mean, that car just could hang the outside, yeah. and, you know. Yeah, it was, it was. It was, was, was a good race car. It was, and it was yeah. fun to, to watch, like, you know, when you got to, and I didn't go, I don't think, I, I don't remember going to any modified races that year. It was 74 when I finally mm-hmm. started. Um, and I remember the first time just, like, zoning on them watching them put the body on and take the body off and it it, 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 like just fascinating to watch right Mm -hmm. you know um and again not understanding way too young to understand any mechanics it just was like this is the coolest thing ever and he you know he went out and he he ended up winning obviously what he he got the 273 and i think he won the port city in 74 as a modified you know and finished fifth fourth or fifth with a super in the super race so he i think he's mm-hmm. still the only driver to ever um have a, a a top five in both the modified and the super race with the same car on the same night i think exactly yeah i think it was and and you know like you were saying like you can you can hear it in your voice how exciting it was and and that's what brought people into the race yes race track stuff yes. like that you know yep the the different cars the characters you know and stuff like that uh, that that's what really brought the fans in well and i the thing is like um i think back and i i've said this on a number of shows i think that back then even as young as i was you could strip the paint off of every car in the pit area and i could still tell you whose car it was just by the the, the design of the car because everything oh, yeah. was different right i mean you mm-hmm. might okay you had two swift cars but you know i mean you didn't and you had there were there weren't too many other than i guess bill height already and gibson build a few or whatever but there weren't you know the, everything was different and the bodies were all different and everything so there were you there was such a variety and 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 that that was it was fun when somebody brought something new out and tried to to make it make it run it was just you know and and the and and then looking back realizing when i when i met mike kapazinski for the first time and realized you know i always assumed obviously the cars were painted because i wouldn't have known any any different but to really understand from mike just how hard you know what it took to paint a car like it was like I, I, it, it, it's some of these these people. Mike was one of them. Just were amazing that they could mm-hmm. make all these cool paint jobs. There weren't all the. There obviously wasn't wraps back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was amazing, and and what was funny was uh, the first time I'm watching him do one, and he's lettering it. You know, hand lettering it. Yeah. And because he was left-handed, he had to do it backwards. Yes. You know. Yep. And. uh Yep. So, and that's, I mean, it, it was, it was just incredible the works that he did, but yeah, back then just the, the colors on the cars, like a, you know, Cheney's uh, Johnny lightning helmet, um, you know, was, was always, was always uh, one of my favorite helmets. I mean, you know, you could see the helmet so much better. And even then some of them were so creative and, you know, mm-hmm. they would paint them to match the cars um and then of course you get Cheney that goes and gets in the 10 pins and the helmet doesn't match but it still looks cool because there's even more color in the picture now right like it's it's just um 
really just incredible. I mean, to think about, you know, some of the cars that um, I think the, um, pretty sure the 69, the close car debuted that year, I think with Guy Chartrand, didn't it? Oh yeah, that was it. Yeah. yeah that was uh, that year. Um, I mean, that car was so far ahead of its time. And uh, I talked to Ed last year. I had some pictures of it. Oh. At, uh, we were there classic weekend on uh, Saturday, sitting up, up in the tower for a little while and just him and I talking for about 45 minutes and, uh, you know, how they came up with all that. And I mean, that was just so far ahead of his time with the, I mean, the suspension, front suspension on that was independent inboard, you know, with inboard coils, which oh, is wow. what we run today. Um, the motor was the first, you know, 18 inch offset. Um, you know, that axle tube oh, was, was the first one. Really? That eventually, yeah. So, um, Jibby driving that car, that's where he got the idea for the offset. That's you know? interesting. I didn't know that that, um, that was an 18-inch offset. That's Yeah, because the, the, uh, basically the rear end on that and everything was, the motor was out the left side, you know. So yeah. it, it had a the first 18-inch offset axle um, in the back, you know, in the rear end and everything. It's just the motor, the driver sat next to the motor, Yeah, you know. But then Jimmy drove it a few times, and then when he came up with his idea, he just moved stuff around, you know. Right. But yeah. basically, that was one of the things that uh, really intrigued him about it. So, um, And then the motor on it, nobody's ever had anything like that. There was a 1,400-horse twin-turbo oh, Chrysler motor. Um, now, Ed didn't tell eventually... me it was 1,400-horse. Yeah. Holy cow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. So that was... Kind of the downfall of that car when we first brought it out. You um, just tell me they're breaking drive shafts and anything else, you know, with that kind of horsepower. So they eventually um, got rid of the turbo and then eventually went right to a Chevy motor. That and that's when that car got going good. Yeah. In '75. Yep. Was uh, when they had the Chevy in it. Yeah, it makes it always. I I look back, and the car never had a real steady driver beyond uh, Chartran. When when Guy got mm-hmm. out of it, um, it kind of went to you know revolving seat a little bit. And I always wondered what what might have been if if they'd had a good you know steady. They had some good drivers in the car. They just didn't stay in it. You, I mean, Freddie Graves drove it. Mark Letcher drove it. Um, I, you know, gosh, I know there are a couple of missing Mark Trikler. Um, you know, you, you, you kind of wonder, you know, what that car could have done if they could, if they would have, um, had, you know, a little more time to sort of sort it all out and perfect it. Um, but they sold it to Eddie Thompson and I think Eddie had some of his own ideas and eventually it kind of became, you know, something other than what it was with close that he evolved it to where he wanted it. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I always wonder about that car. Cause like you said, it was way ahead of its time. And, and you just think to yourself, what could have been with that if they'd run it every week with the same, same with a, with a, you know, a driver who's capable in it. Yeah. And I think back then they were running, um, I know Chartrand ran it for a while, but then when he retired, you know, they were still running the modified. That was their main yeah. thing. Yep. So this, you know, 
it's hard enough to run one car in one class, but try to do two of them, you well, know. Well, that's true, sure. And yep. they were coming all the way from Potsdam, so, um, and Chartrain was coming from Quebec, so it was a haul down here. Yeah. Um, but after he got out, because I think he retired from everything the next year, so they kind of, then they started bouncing drivers around, but, uh, yeah, I think that car would have had, uh, like you said, if, if with a consistent driver every week, that car would have probably really done something. Oh yeah. I think, I think that's, I think that's true. And, and, you know, again, you know, the competition back then was just so off the charts and, and, you know, you were, you were seeing drivers, you know, I don't know that we had a, a, a ton of drivers necessarily from, um, Ohio and New England that were weekly. I know we had some, but we had so many drivers from, you know, Canada and, and New York that, that were racing. Um, but the drivers that did come from like Ohio and even New England to a point, you know, I mean, you're talking about Todd Gibson and, and, you know, guys like that were extremely competitive and it was just, it, it was unbelievable to watch. And, and back then, you know, the guys were three and four wide. You look back at the videos that Mike Sessler posts. I love those because, Oh yeah. You know, the only, my only, my only, I don't even want to call it a frustration because I obviously understand why, but my, my only thing that it's hard to watch is because you can't really see the scoreboard. So you're trying to, you don't always know the order, but you can pick out, you know, some of the cars and you just see, you know, the green comes out and they're, they're fanning out all over the racetrack. It looks like a NASCAR restart at Phoenix, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) and you know, you don't see that. That was neat. And, uh, you know, back then they could do that, go in 19 seconds, yeah. you know. Um, well, there was such just, a difference in speed between the cars, too. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. But it was exciting racing at that. Right. You know? Yeah, it was exciting from a fan's yeah. point of view to look at that, you know, and and, right. and see, um, you yeah. know, see how that, that but you, you know, you, you think about, you know, that was, um, that was when, I mean, you, you. Um, Swifty took part of the year off, but, but that was when he came back, the, the sort of champagne Swift thing immediately went back to being in its, in its heyday. That was like the, um, you know, starting to get, it was kind of, it peaked right around 73, 74. And then, you know, Swifty started to, you know, slowly just sort of fall off. But, mm-hmm. but um, I mean, it was such a a joy to see, those men out there, um, you know, and, and just my gosh, I mean, to think about, you know, Kenny Andrews and I don't, did the deuce run in 73? Yeah. All? That was the year did. he won his first race. He won a couple. That's right. Yeah. He won Jimmy a couple Rinks. and led that the was his first year. Yeah. Oh, that's right. A long time. He started in the front row and then Andrews got by him. Yeah, uh, that's with about right. twenty to go. Yeah, everybody was mad at Kenny for brushing yeah. wheels with him, and there may have they they may have touched a little. Yeah, well, for you about know, fifteen laps in a row, but Kenny's yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, he was. Uh, they were both they were both hell of a drivers, you know. Yeah, they were great. That was um, that's right. I forgot that was the year that. Uh, that Winks first started driving it. And yeah, Kenny, yeah, that I remember Kenny saying something like, you know, 
Um, as far as I'm concerned, didn't hurt his car any, but the Magneto was, (laughs) you know, it's kind of, (laughs) Kenny was, Kenny was one of those characters that, um, the funny part of the whole deal with Kenny is if I remember the story, right. Um, after he got uh, sat down for a week or two, um, because for, for basically, you know, taking Jimmy out supposedly, Jimmy was the one that gave him the parts to fix the car for that classic weekend. And he, (laughs) went and won the thing so yeah and yeah. when he came back if i remember right, actually looking at that he won four out of five features did he, when really? he came back wow including the classic so okay. he, you know that was that was it was typical kenny he went home worked on his race car yeah and made his race car faster and figured it out and that's what he did and uh you know he was i mean if you ever looked at that race car some of some of the stuff on it mechanically, it was just amazing, you know. And, uh, you know, he had weight jackers and everything else. He could adjust weight all through the car. He had two Ken. ratchets up in the cockpit with extensions down to the front springs and just all, all sorts of different, you know, stuff that was 1973 Crazy. technology. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, back uh, where there were no rules, but, basically. You know. I mean, it was run with your brung back then. Like you, yeah. you could do it. You know, I remember the displacement bars he had on the cage. Like it was just, it was, it was, that car was, it wasn't the prettiest looking thing, but boy, it was fast. Yeah. Yeah. It was fast. And you know, it was, uh, you know, again, the legends, I mean, Kenny was obviously one of those, but just from Canada alone at that point, you had Doug Sire, you had Norm Macrath, you had Conium, I mean, um, like, you know, you said Cecil Stevens was from Canada. Yep. He raced that year. Oh, gosh, who am I missing? I know there's a yeah, bunch. Scott of the Wilson. Wilson, that's Spencer. right. And Spencer. Oh, yeah, the Doug Duncan uh, car. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, uh, well, the Lichty boys came yeah, later. They, yeah, they started. Uh, a couple of years later, a year or two later. Um, they might yeah, have been was, running by then. Were they not running? Kind of Russ either? Gray. That's right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Russ was running in 72. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. been in our rewind. I've mentioned yeah. him a number of times. He had that, had that 85 car then. Yeah. He, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, Canada was so strong. Um, yeah. With drivers and, and fans too. I mean, that was, mm-hmm. you know, and the Canadian fans were so vocal, like <laughs> so yeah. much fun, you know, uh, and, and boy, they could drink. They, <laughs> they could put yeah, away unfortunately, some... I found that out this weekend again. It was, Uh-oh. We had reminders. We had our uh, our Canadian families down from uh, Oswego State for the uh, uh, hockey weekend for senior night. And we got Dave a lot Blair. of great kids here and a lot of great families that are uh, from Canada and uh, spent some time with them, maybe a little too much. but uh, Did Dave Lair come down? No, Dave wasn't there. He's, no. uh but uh one of the kids who is on the team, he uh he's from Niagara Falls, so they okay. have no lair and uh Kevin Flynn and those guys, so uh but no Lair Lair hasn't been down, but he's doing good. He was down for classic. Cool. And uh he had some health issues be which it seems oh. he's gotten a lot better and everything. Good. So so uh but uh Unfortunately, when uh, this year at Classic, they uh, 
his cars, the suspension's designed a little different. Um, and when they built the wheels, they built them wrong at the wrong offset. So it, he had no wheels to, to run. So, Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, anyways, uh, he'll be back next year though. And they'll probably be around early. You know, the car's all set and ready to go. So the Laird jet after yeah. all this time. Yeah. But yeah, he was a, he was an amazing hockey player too. Sure was. Um, yes, sir. He was one of you know he set all the records here at Oswego State. Yep. He was one, the one player who could just put it put the team on their his back. Yeah. You know. Yep. And and and, and score goals and win games and uh, he was one of the last people don't know this he was one of the last ones cut from the 1980 Canadian Olympic team. Oh wow! Really? So yeah, he was. Wow. Uh, he just missed the cut, and then he came to Oswego. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. That was those. Boy, when he was playing for Oswego State, that was. And I remember back then too. Um, Bill Foley was the the announcer, yeah. and and they were on the radio. The games were on, were on the radio, so so that was mm-hmm. if if you know if my dad and I we went a bunch to see, mm-hmm. the, but when we didn't go. We listened to it, and boy, when the Lakers would score a goal, I mean, Bill would just literally set the radio on fire. Like his call of the goal, he he shoots, yeah. he scores. Yeah. You know, it was it was it was so awesome. He was so good at that. But yeah, those teams were vicious, mm-hmm. and and you know, but the whole. I fe- I feel like half the conference was it. You know, you did you had Elmira and Plattsburgh and. You know, oh gosh, yeah, we just turned this into a hockey show. Sorry, folks, if you're here for <laughs> racing, uh, we'll get back there in a minute. Um, but yeah, I mean, gosh, I hadn't even thought about that, all that in years. But um, Bill was, Bill was. That's where I really um, came to appreciate Bill because um, oh, yeah. he was just he was electric with his calls. Yeah. Um, he, he retired a few years ago, and then Danny took over out there. As the Danny public Kay. address announcer, yeah, Danny's done it, and then Danny just retired from that. Uh, he can't retire; he's way too young stuff. to retire so, from anything. Um, Bill came back <laughs> this year for one night. Oh, he did. Yeah, and I mean, it was it was great to hear him. You know? Oh man, so, that's awesome. So the sad part is iconic. You know, like uh, Joe Buck or not Joe Buck, his dad, and um, um, who am I thinking of? Uh, Vince Scully, you know, yes, yes, iconic voices, you know, that you know, get you fired up. Yeah, he does. I mean, and he he just he was old school, you know. Yeah. Um. And and uh, it was yeah. Those 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 days were fun. My gosh. Um. And and of course, back then, I don't think the arena had any heat in it. So now it's like I I haven't been to the new. Well, I think maybe I went once, but but it's like um. It, it everybody's spoiled because you know <laughs> it's all cozy in there, right? And nobody, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but anyway, um, but yeah, I mean that uh, it's it's just funny thinking back to, you know, just when I think about my first impressions of you know, like back then we used to have the heaters in the grandstand. Remember those things? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh! You know yeah. the the younger fans don't understand because back then they would run twenty three or 24 races a year and would run into October. And, yeah. um, 
my gosh, it, it there were nights in, in September, October, it would be so freaking cold and the heaters would come on and you'd be, you know, swallowing hot chocolate like it was going out of style at the concession, um, which was probably like a quarter back then. But, um, you know, that was the first time I ever drank hot chocolate was at the racetrack. And, and yeah. you know, it was... My father, my father bought coffee and, 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 and I, he said, do you want, and I'm like, no. And he goes, you want hot chocolate? Well, I'm thinking Hershey bar. Okay, sure. You know? So yeah, it was my introduction to hot chocolate, but yeah, the heaters and just, you know, no foam. It was, you hit, you hit steel. Um, you know, it was, I just, it was such an, it, it, I've always said that racing is a very, um, experiential sport. If your first, if your introduction to it is from TV, you, you don't get it. You, yeah. you know, you have to go to a track and, and experience it in person. It, it's, it's like hockey. TV doesn't do hockey justice because no matter how the technology is for a camera, you can't capture either the viciousness of a hit or the, the speed of the puck. You know, when you see it in person, you know, but I've just always thought that that and I'm so thankful that my first impression of racing was um, was at Oswego and and, and at or at a racetrack in general, because then, like you say, but it is true that when you go some when you went somewhere else after that, um, it, it was still a lot of fun, but it just didn't seem quite as impressive only because um you know, it, it, it did seem like the cars were slower, even if they, I guess they were. Um, but I doubt the modifieds were that much slower at Fulton, but again, you're seeing it from a completely different perspective, right? So, um, it's just different, but what else, what else do you remember about that first season? Did you go, did you go to the classic that year? Cause I didn't, I did not. Okay. Um, but I remember we're at one of my buddy's houses and his, older brothers and sisters went and stuff and we were kind of like, what's going to, ha- what happened? What happened? What happened? So yeah. came home and it was like, Kenny Andrews won it, you know, and, uh, you know, he had to start 31st cause we knew he crashed the day before Yeah, and never time trialed. So, uh, and he had been so fast, you know, that whole month and yeah. everything. And, uh, you know, um, and then the next day, actually we, we saw Norm Macrath at one of the neighbor's houses. Oh, neat. Yeah. Uh, and uh and norm i remember norm telling us he finished eighth and he was going over you know talking about the race and stuff but uh you know is uh as friendly as norm always was you know he was a great great guy you know one of the nicest drivers that ever set foot in the place you know so uh i mean with norm you couldn't tell if he won the feature finished you know finished upside down broken because he always had the same uh, personality you know he was yeah. always great with kids and people and everything so yeah he was just and and so many of those guys were you know back then and and mm-hmm. you know it was it was just so much fun because i mean i used to obsess over you know getting autographs every week had to happen oh yeah you know, you know you take your program right and so um it just um it was cool. And, and and I guess you probably, I don't remember, um, like at that point, I don't remember kind of knowing how easy it was to kind of see race cars all over town or else I'm sure I would have done it. Right. I would have been after my parents to take me somewhere or do something or ride up ride my bike. I, I probably would have been too young, but like, I just had no, um, 
I don't even remember the first time I saw a car walk away. It might have been joyous <laughs> at some point, but like I, I just don't remember knowing about all that. Um, I mean, how how did 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 you like? I remember almost from the start. I wanted to like write the lineups and do all that. I was obsessed with the program and reading it. And at five, you don't understand every word that you're reading, but I, I was ahead enough in reading that I got enough of it to understand what was going on. Right. And, and do, how, what was your, cause I, I couldn't wait. I would call Carson's like twice a day, starting on Wednesday <laughs> or every hour, probably just trying to wait for that program to come in so we could go get it. Yeah, so I was being a West Sider. We used to go down to the little store on Second Street. It's called CJ's. I remember CJ's. Yeah. And they, yeah, they had them there. So we'd, and they were always a dollar, you know, yep. which back then for a eight year old was a lot of money. But yeah, you know, you cut enough lawns or whatever, did enough chores, you had that. Right. And uh, but uh, Saturdays we always had it. We we figured it out after a while, and. Uh, you know, the a lot of the guys, there was the gas station, the golf station down on Liberty and Bridge, so a lot of guys would call in from the west and stop there and okay. get gas. Oh, I remember okay. the Purdy Deuce there a lot. Interesting. Um, um, then there was the diner down on the forks of the road where Jack and Benny's diner, so a lot of guys would pull in there and have lunch. I remember lunch, that. You know? I don't remember and, the golf uh, station. You know, a lot of times those days they were uh, or the, at the hotel because um, – they raced somewhere on Friday night, you know, uh, where they raced at Sandusky or Lorraine or out in Michigan or, you know, uh, Flamborough or right. Delaware, one of those places. So a lot of times the guys would be coming in and working on their cars in the hotel parking. So, okay. So, uh, See, I missed out on all that. You were, that and... you were what you were ahead. You were probably, I guess, you were just enough older than me that you were more aware of some of that because I don't remember any of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, I would have uh, the the first thing like um, I I I remember, um, I think the first time I remember meeting a driver locally, it was Norm Macrath, and it was my aunt and uncle used to live in Southwest Oswego, next to Jim Ferlito. And, okay. and so Norm would camp out there, I guess, use Jimmy's yeah. house as a, you know, waypoint or whatever you call it. And then, um, we were out to my aunt Anne's and, and Norm and his daughters were there one day. And that's mm-hmm. where I first met Norm, I think. And, or probably, I'd probably seen him at the track, but that's where I first, like, that was the first memory I have. And then he was in one of my aunt, one of my cousins got married and he was in their wedding. Um, yeah. So I have, there's a picture I have somewhere, I think still of, of me and my brother with Norm and you know, it's, it's funny because when you look at the, uh, like the dress code back then or like what was in style, it's really funny to look back at, uh, you know, at that stuff, like the, you know, six foot wide ties and all that that everybody used to wear. Yep. A lot of, a lot of plaid, a lot of big collars. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So it was kind of funny just to see all that. But um, yeah, it was um, I mean, I, I feel like the like 73, 74, I have a lot more sort of um, clearer memories of 74 than I do of 73. And I feel like, you know, those years and you could throw 75 in there, too. Those years were very sort of transformative years because um 
it I think I think seventy two I would say seventy two into seventy three was were were when the roadsters really started to kind of you didn't see nearly as many of the upright cars when you when you got to those years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um probably the Deuce was the last one um that was really competitive yeah, I that so I too. can think of. And I mean, at that time, you know, from seventy, seventy one, I mean they they put they took the small block out. They put a big block in it. They offset it. They did as much as I think they could with that, you know. Okay. But I think by seventy, writing was on the wall for, you know. They said, you know, why is, when's the car coming back? And uh, I think the writing was on the wall that you know it's days were done, you know. Yeah. Uh, with the uh, roadsters, basically, you know, by then the. The Indy Roadsters were not around anymore. The rear engines were hit and miss, but they were, you know, competitive, and it looked like it was going that way when, you know, uh, I mean, Freddie's first rear engine was very fast but not reliable, and Gibson's same thing, but they were still finishing in the top five with them, and, yeah. you know, and running good when they weren't braking. And then, you know, the height car came out, four-wheel and, drive uh, yeah. that was changing things so so yeah, i think that was kind of the end of the road for the upright it's interesting when i think because i don't know that i don't think the deuce ran in 75 because i think it was that year that jimmy went out and bought the wings he went out and bought 71 he was yeah, and i didn't know that he i didn't know why until i i was reading it somewhere um that that the reason he or at least, and maybe I heard it somewhere was that the reason he bought that car was he was trying to simulate the deuce. He was, you know, um, yeah. he was thinking that car somehow could be, you know, it's funny how you sort of get so um, pigeonholed with, with something. And it's like, um, and Jimmy was, was just determined to, and he actually, I mean, I feel like he won half his heat races with it, but he just couldn't win a feature. Yeah. Yeah, I remember talking to Ray Sand years years later because he he originally drove that car. That's right. Said, yeah, he said it was just terrible. It did not handle. Really? You know? Yeah, he said it was just the car was different every lap, and you know, so he was kind of amazed that uh, you know anybody went as fast as they did with it. Yeah, Jimmy but, actually uh, did better than I would have thought, and I remember that car, 71. They, ha I mean, that had a, a few different drivers in it, too, over the years, but Ray yeah. was the one driving it when, when we started going in 73. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, and it is interesting because, you know, Jimmy Jimmy had it going good, but like I said, he could just never win a, a feature right. with it. And, um, and, and then, you know, he... I think he had a bit of a, maybe a bit of a break in 76. And then I think the 04 came along and he was in that for a while and kind of went on. But, but yeah, I feel like those years, you know, that the, the four wheeler was always interesting to me and, and, and even researching it and, and you look back and you hear what people say about it. I, I, I think, you know, Bill Height and Freddie were, were kind of saying, well, this is, it's no more complicated than a, mm -hmm. than a front engine. Right. And it's much easier on tires. Um, mm -hmm. thinking, I, I think that, you know, it, they were obviously, you know, pro four wheeler. And then you had other guys that 
that I, I, you know, would said it was too complicated and, um, and would eventually just dominate the class. And it's kind of like, you look at things like that and you say, well, okay, one of them is lying. And if, (laughs) and if it was actually easier on tires, then -hmm. it would seem like it might've been, and, and, and Bill, I remember an interview with Bill somewhere I read, it might've been in a program where he said that, 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 um, I don't even remember what the figure was, but it wasn't very expensive. He said, I would gladly give the plans to somebody else to mass produce them. Cause I just can't build them fast enough. It's like, um, it would almost have seemed to me that in the long run, it might've been less expensive to have a four wheeler if it was easier on tires, you know? Yeah. It's an interesting point. And, and that's one of the things I did say, and they ran, you know, they, they ran some different tires on it because of the four wheel drive and stuff. So they yeah. were kind of, uh, I don't think they ran a lot of stagger, but they, you know, sized them up differently, especially the front tires. And, you know, the, you really had to be a genius to figure out all those ratios with the different sizes and stuff. But I mean, you get a guy as smart as Bill Hyten, and then you get a guy like Freddie Graves, who was, Graves was equally as intelligent if not more, you know, yeah. that was just a, quite a combination. But, um, yeah, when you look at it, it, uh, you know, it kind of made sense, you know, why not, you know, yeah. let this run. But, uh, it... you know, it was at that point, you know, the monkey see monkey do. And it's funny, I was doing some research for some stuff that uh, contemplating a book, uh eventually but um, (laughs) if you look back at the history of Oswego Speedway and the technology it kind of coincides with what happened at Indy you know and uh, you know Indy went from the old cars of the 50s to the Roadster yep and then we had the uprights and then when the Indy Roadsters were replaced by the rear engine cars. We went to the Roadsters ended up in Oswego. Good point. And then those cars, many copies were built off that. And the eight inch Roadster offset Roadsters that were built after that were basically copies of a lot of the suspension and stuff, but that kind of model. Right. And then in the late sixties at Indy, you had, you know, four wheel drives and stuff like that. So once they've been the four-wheel drives, by this time, Oswego was getting involved with rear-engine cars. Yep. And somebody was going to make one work, you know. But they saw Indy ban the four-wheel drive for a reason, and it was almost kind of like monkey see, monkey do, you know. Yeah. Um, whether it was a good idea or not, whether it would have all caught on whether it would have led to a different design, who knows, you know? Yeah. I mean, but, it's, uh, it's interesting. We're, to we're think very about lucky that. to see, you know, to live through all that, especially the stuff at the, in the seventies when you could run anything, you yes. know, anything you wanted to. Yep. And, and we had the car count, um, expense wise, you know, it was affordable to do because most people, you know, you could not go out and buy a race car, at you know Hawksby's or uh, Coloca or any any of the top builders, you know, right. you had to build your own. Well, you know? or if you did have somebody like a Gibson build you one, um, yeah, it was still basically fairly affordable even to do that, relatively speaking, because mm-hmm. the the parts and and everything. I I feel like 
were more you know widely available you were you were getting stuff you know more maybe more from auto parts stores and stuff it was oh, yeah. you yeah. know what i mean like it, you you weren't it wasn't all the handmade stuff that that it is now right no no exactly i mean a lot of guys i remember they'd be going to the salvage yards and getting a you know a stirring box yeah uh, before it was rack and pinions, and then actually when the rack and pinions started, they, a lot of guys were just getting rack and pinions out of salvage yards, you know. Yeah. Because um, they were just a Ford rack and pinion. Um, the brake systems, um, like the rear engine cars, like Gene Lee was telling me a few years ago. I mean, when Todd built that car in '74, '75, the one he had there, purple one. Um, the axles. And the rear brakes and everything were out of like, a, oh, some sort of 1966 uh, vehicle. I don't remember. Tornado, I believe it was. Okay. 66 Tornado. So, wow. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean... that, that's some of the stuff that you had back then. You could just, you know, parts were were either off the shelf. You know, you go down to your local parts store and buy them. Yeah. So. Yeah, it kept it. It kept it again reasonably affordable. And and thinking about, you know, fifteen hundred dollars to win in mm-hmm. seventy two dollars or seventy yeah in nineteen seventy two dollars was yeah. would would be an awful lot of money. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. you could get a steak for three bucks at the Speedway oh, restaurant. Yeah. Like I, it, you know, you think you look back at that. I mean, when you're you know, and again, it's it's fun for me. That's why I love doing these types of shows because, um, you know, back then as a kid, you you don't know anything about the value of a dollar or whatever. You're five. I mean, well, you know, but then you look back and realize like that that and and to think that that may have been the highest short track purse in the country is incredible to think about. And so everybody now says, well, if we just raise the purse you know, we'll start getting more cars again. And the problem with that now is that the cost of the cars has gone up so much relative to, to the dollar with, with, you know, and with parts, handmade parts, all that. Like, I, I, I feel like you'd have to raise the purse by three times in order to see that kind of ratio like we had back then. Right. Um, from, of the, the purse to the value of the dollar. Cause I feel like a Swigo was way ahead back then of that. Yeah. They were always, they were always number one. That was one of the things, um, Harry always wanted. He wanted, you know, he wanted to have the highest paying purse. Yeah. And he did that. And for a while, him and Williams Grove were Williams Grove would raise theirs and he oh, raised really? his. And, oh, wow. you know, he was always paying attention to that. And, Unfortunately, times have changed with that, right? You know, and uh, you know it's just like a Swigo. You know, you you see it in NASCAR, where uh, you would have your owners back in the '90s, and now all of a sudden you got two owners, and this one partners in, and you got you know people coming in right. with financing to help out. You know, you're right. Yeah, you know, I see Pitbull is on a car, and Michael the Jordan, track, yeah, track and then, yep, Jordan you know, Petty yep. merges with Jimmy Johnson, and someone else merges with someone else. And, you know, you actually have a lot of that in short track racing now, you know, it's, uh, it's, you've got several people that have money involved in teams, you know, to, uh, to make that survive, you know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, 
it'd be very hard right now to run a team off off the off its winnings. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's just not going to happen without, you know, sponsorship or people with deep pockets basically that, you know, want to have some fun and go racing. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I feel like now and this is a little off our main theme, but you were just talking about purses. I feel like the fact that that you, I think the cars tour down here now that Jeff Burton and Dale Jr. and 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 uh, Justin Marks and Kevin Harvick bought it. Um, I feel like that's going to bring some eyes to short track racing in general in a way that hopefully will legitimize it enough so that maybe we can get some of the, you know, these, these pit bulls of the world to go, you know what? I, you know, I want to, I want to be involved too. I want to be involved in that too. And then maybe you will get some, some, I know that one of the things that those four, um, and I've, I've heard it said from somebody who's inside that um, they want to create a cars tour where somebody with a late model on an open trailer can show up and compete against, you know, Dale's team, right? They mm-hmm. want it to be, and yeah. that's where we need to go. And so, you know, if maybe, you know, that can, um, maybe that that can sort of be the series that legitimizes short track racing a little bit more and maybe we can get more you know more interest in it from from some of these these people because um that's really at this point that's what it needs i mean like you said it's hard to you can't expect a track owner to um you know y- you could double the purse of a swiggo yeah. and it really you know, I don't know if right. it does what you want it to do completely. Right. You know? and, and you got to think about it. I mean, it, it's a business. You got to run it. You got a mm-hmm. lot of expenses. Yeah. And every business has expenses 365 right. days a year. Yep. Um, but they're only open 12 days a year. Well, that's the thing. You know, so you, you have to cover, you're not, you know, in 12, 12 shows. Yep. And when you only, you know, you have those bleak nights where there's less than a thousand people, 500 people in the stands, it's not going to do it. No, you know, you're not even close. Um, and, and think about, and that's the other thing is, uh, you know, I, I said to somebody not long ago, it's like, okay, you know, back in 73, you know, back in that time when, when, you know, you were paying air quoting big money, right. You had thousands of people in the stands every week. Oh yeah. So it was, you know, you, you, and I, and I know the prevailing theory is, you know, bigger purse gets more cars, which gets more fans, but I'm not sure that's true anymore because back then you had far less to do on a Saturday night than you do now. Oh, definitely. Definitely. You know, I totally agree with you there, Tom. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know what you the know, I thought about it, thought about it when I was a kid, you know, back, we go back to 73, it's, that's what you did on Saturday yep. night. You either, if you weren't at the races, you were home with your parents watching Lawrence Welk. You know, <laughs> it was, it wasn't, there was nothing the one, else the going on. Yeah. You know, you're right. On, on Saturday night. You're right. I mean, and it's, yeah. There's I, so much for kids to do nowadays. There's so much things going on and, and there's a lot of outdoor activities and you have that small window 
to of summer to enjoy that. Yep. And especially now everybody is working, you know, back in the day also, usually the dad worked, the mom stayed home with the kids. Yep. They did stuff during the you know. Now yep. mom and dad are both working. You got that Saturday Sunday window to do all your activities. Yep. So, you know. Yep. So in a very... lot of cases racing isn't it. Very different, uh, very different world in a very different yeah. situation now. And, and, you know, right. somebody will say, well, you know, but you look at the dirt tracks and they're doing, and it's like, well, yeah, mm-hmm. but, and, and I'm not saying that, you know, Oswego couldn't, because the thing that I say talk about all the time is just, you know, either the, I think you need to work harder on the outreach to pull people in now, and the ones that do that get the people. But it, you know, totally it's, agree. You know, it's, it's such a smaller piece of the pie now, yep. and you really have to work on that because we're all what little base we have. We all need that, right? And you've yep. got to work with stuff and get some excitement coming in. So. You know, when the the race fan, am I going to go to Fulton? Am I going to go to Oswego? Yeah. Am I going to Canandaigua? Yeah. Where am I going? You yep. know, um, what's going on there? You know, yep. a lot of the stuff that John's been doing has been tremendous. Oh, it's you amazing. Know. John He's is really doing such a great job. He's really put some excitement back into it, you know. Yep. And, uh, yeah, and see, I think it's going to continue. And He's got some great stuff coming up. Uh, he's working on classic stuff now, so. I think that's going to be really exciting. I can't wait. I mean, I yeah. and see he's, you know, again, he uh, he's he's from our era, right? Like he's been yeah. and so I think that's 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 really, you know, again, I thank God if I was one of the if I was among the people if my first impression of motorsports was a NASCAR race on TV, I'm not sure that I I take to it the way that I did, but it but but it was because my first impression was going to a racetrack and then being able to get up close and actually get autographs from these people that I looked at like they were God. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they were our heroes, and um, you know I don't know that again. I don't know that you have that attachment. I know obviously with NASCAR it's different, but. Like in and, and and I think that's one of NASCAR's issues actually is that you had that era where everybody got attached to their favorite driver. Now they're all gone. You mm-hmm. have all these new drivers and a lot of them are young and they hadn't really had much history in the short tracks to build a big fan base or make anybody feel any, you know, excitement about them. And so all of a sudden here they are and um you know and and nobody's really emotionally attached like you were to a Dale Earnhardt or a Richard Petty or whoever it would be, right? So it's just a it's a different era now. But boy, back then, I mean, that was one of the things. Like I used, and you may know more about this than me, although you weren't that much older. But you seemed to be kind of more around town than I was um, back then. But it, but I've always heard the the stories about you know the, these guys after the race, they go take over a bar somewhere, <laughs> like, you know, like the colonial house. I used to hear about Swifty and Baldy, you know, uh-huh. and, and, and again, I don't know how much of this is true, you know, yeah. but, but like Eddie B at the poor house. Um, <laughs> and I would not know about the poor house if it wasn't for the fact that somebody told me that Eddie used to hang out at the poor house. Um, and, 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 uh, 
and I never got the name until um, I actually saw it referenced somewhere online and it was P-O-U-R. And then I went, oh, poor, I see. B- I yeah. got it. Okay. Yeah. You know, P-O-O-R. Yeah, I, I heard no some of those stories, you know, back in uh, when we were growing up, you know, we heard we heard some of the stories as we got older, you know, yeah. talking to when it was our time to do that. So, uh, yeah. but uh, yeah, it was always... Um, you know, there were so many drivers that were around town, yeah. and uh, a lot of them had their. You know, the the one thing I we've always seen is it's almost like um, once you're here, there's families that would just adopt these racing families. You know, yeah, you know, like the Ferlitos did, and the Regans, and a lot of them around town, uh, the Trancas. You know, there was always race teams. You know, come use the house, take uh-huh. a shower, sleep, whatever, have a meal. And, uh, you know, you used to have that because you had so many out-of-towners. That goes back to the Canadian thing, too. I mean, yep. we had so many Canadian teams coming in and just, you know, people are opening up their homes to them. And, you know, the Michigan guys, the Ohio guys, the New England guys. Yep. So, you know, and and that that's what, you know, brought the base in, you know. Well, yeah, yep. and, and now that I think about it, even I said earlier, there weren't a ton of drivers, but there actually were a lot of drivers from, like, Ohio and Michigan because you had that whole, you know, Johnny Logan and Nick Rowe and, you know, all those guys that used to come. Bob Seelman used to come from, you know, from, from the West. And, and I, I kind of, now that I think about it, as we start talking about it more, you're right. Those guys, you know, if you didn't, a lot of them didn't, you know, didn't necessarily, like, have motorhomes or whatever. I know some did. But mm-hmm. but um they would just stay with people and and you know it's pretty amazing to think about and 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 to imagine if only we were old enough you and I to to have been able to like get get you know inside of some of that the stories and and the 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 conversations and the good times that were had at, at all those things um, I mean you you just the, you know, it's amazing to think to think about all that. Actually, for as long as it yeah. it went on, Oswego was a really, really big deal. Yeah, and there's a lot of people around. You know, like the Jimmy Ferlitos oh, and yeah. the Larry Trinkas, and yep. you know, you know, sit down with those guys sometimes and hear some of the old uh, old stories. You know, which uh, you know, which. Jimmy's probably one of the best, but I think I, he, I don't think he ever drank, so he stayed sober. He remembers everything, well, you know. So that's the so, thing. Yeah, but, you're uh, right. <laughs> he he's touched so many lives. He you know? has. His house yep. was basically, you know, the open to anybody, you know. And there'd been so many teams that had come through there, and he was such a great promoter of the place and uh, getting teams to, you know, come to a come to a Swigo and. You know, from the Gibsons and Chet Phillip and Matt oh, Chris. Yeah. And I mean, the list just go, goes on and on, you know. So, yeah, yeah, it's, but, um, he is, and, and yeah. you're right, Jimmy was, and that's why I remember when Jimmy, um, when, 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 what was it, 77, 78, when he, I guess it was 78, right? When he had bought the car, he did the car yeah. with Ronnie. And I remember just thinking, you know, like to me, because Jimmy, he used to write for the program, right? So I I used to read his column 
just like I did everything else there. Like Jimmy was a hero to me too. Like he was a, everybody connected with the track was larger than life to a, to a five-year-old. Right. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. Jimmy's like, really the guy that wrote for the program is going to own a car. That's cool. Like, I, you know, um, Jimmy would laugh to, to, to probably um, imagine how, you know, big of a celebrity I thought of him as. And so, Later on, when I finally got to meet him, it was just like, well, this is awesome. And, and um, you know, it was at his house. And I don't even, if you ask me now, I probably couldn't even tell you why I was there. But um, obviously somebody um, brought me there. And, and, um, and, and I just, again, it was one story after another. Like he, it's, it's just, you're right. Those guys, Larry's always fun. I mean, I could, I could have Larry on every week and, and yeah. it could just be, you know, someday my my dream is to be able to put together a show on video and get you and me and Larry and Jimmy all on the same show and just let the cameras roll. Um, oh, that'd be fun. Oh, it would be. I, I just think, you know, the, the stories now, you know, the problem is, is, you know, it might be a 24 hour show, but I mean, it's, <laughs> it's like, how long can we? You know, until the audience goes, all right, guys, enough. Yeah. But, but like yeah. those things, those stories, and that's why I'm just, and I'm, I'm excited because I'm, I'm working with a club down here that, that, um, a group, not a club that, that, um, that they all have restored, um, old cup cars and, and, you know, they're, they're doing exhibition racing at the like mm-hmm. Rockingham and Darlington and those, and, um, it you know i look at those cars and i actually got to do a ride along at darlington and one of the was it was a it's like a 1950 or something um car it's a replica of paul goldsmith's old car that it's the 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 real car is in the darlington hall of fame and it's the oldest um surviving um nascar modified car that they think existed and it's just it's a coupe and it's a it's but but you look at them now and how crude they were, <laughs> oh yeah. You know, we didn't yeah. know that when you're five or you're eight or whatever. They're they're you know they're they're like you know, but but you look at it now, it's like, oh man, these men were brave, you know, because <laughs> you know the 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 safety even you know um, wasn't nearly what it was, and you just think about you know where we were super modified wise, and unfortunately that's sort of the negative part of our memory bank, right? Because you know, how many fires do we see? How many, you know, how many lives do we, you know, how much, how much, how much tragedy did you and I both witness? Um, and it, you know, back then, I mean, it did just safety, just, you didn't have all, all of the things we have now. So, um, you know, that's the, you kind of got this, that was part of your sort of your, your initiation into the sport is, is, you know, all of that. And, and so, um, I, I guess I'm thankful that I was, I was too young for it to really like, I didn't understand it all. Like it would scare me, you know, when you see fire or whatever, but I didn't really. So, you know, now when I see something happen, it, you know, it pains me, but back then, you know, so, but I mean, those, those, those cars, that a lot of them, that was, I guess, kind of the danger, right. Of getting parts out of a junkyard because, you know, stress on the part or whatever, you just don't really know about all that. Yeah. You didn't have, uh, the technology we had today, um, as far as that. And, 
you know, the way parts are made now yeah. and they've been able to be tested, you know, like I said, you're, you, most people are just building their own stuff yep. and yeah, that'll do. And yep. we buy this from, you know, the parts store and, you know, I was just reading that article, like when Cheney wrecked his axle broken half, you know, which with uh, sure 19 was homemade stuff. Yeah. And that's when he got into the wall. And the second thing was it had a, didn't have a flush fuel cap at that time. It had one that stuck up and it broke the cap off. So now the fuel's pouring out, you know, so, you know, today that's not going to happen, you know, Yeah. with the way the technology was, but you are know, you the, talking about the his was, wreck with the O four? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. God. Yeah, I remember that like it happened last night. My mother was she thought my mother thought it was Joya, which was kind of her driver, mm-hmm. and not and not that she probably wouldn't have been just as nervous for Jeannie, but she thought it was, and she just like was really like shake. I remember her reaction scared me, um, and and then you know just like seeing that from the grandstand and. Um, and, and that was maybe the first time that I, you know, I, I was aware of, you know, he, he, like, I remember Kemp Dates fire the year before and seeing him get out of the car and my father was with me that night and, 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 you know, the stop, drop and roll thing, like he, and, and I forget, was it Bruce Lee maybe that put him out or whatever, but like, yeah. yeah and, and yeah, Cheney's was bad. That was, that was maybe yeah. the first time I remember, you know, being like really scared, you know, in that, that and Kemp's. Um, but yeah, that was, yeah. And, and see there again, and it's not, it it certainly was, you weren't cutting corners. It's just, it's just what you had, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we had in the technology at that time. Yep. And, you know, you look through the seventies, I mean, we had four or five fatalities up there then. Yeah. And that was, you know, with us being, just starting and racing, it was kind of a rough introduction, you know? Yeah. Like mutual yeah. happened right in front of me, um, yeah. right in yeah, front of where here. I was sitting. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, you know, and again, you didn't see it, see it because, it, you know, when he hit, it was sort of below, you know, your, vis- your eye line, but, but, um, to see the, the cage, like you just, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay. So, you know, looking back now you know you had bolt-on cages and stuff like that like they're just and and again it wasn't that the tech was lax it was just nobody really i don't think understood right like i think it was just you know um that's where we were as a whole in the sport not just in supers but that's where we were as a whole um because you you know you it's just what you had. So yeah, so much of that, like, you know, that's, it, it, that's right. It was part of our introduction and part of, you know, just part of our, our early memory of it, of, of the sport. And I think, you know, when you, you know, you, you, you have a different sort of understanding at, at, at as a kid, you're seeing something that scares you like a ghost would, right? When yeah. you get older, yeah. you understand more about, like what's really happening and you in in and you know it's uh yeah none of that's none of that's good but um no. yeah those and times are so different now and yeah you know we 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 discussed that back in december when that the unfortunate incident with uh demar hamlin oh, and yeah. you know after everything happened they canceled the game which i i was totally for you yeah. know yeah I, yeah but you know back in the 70s we'd have a race and 
you know, somebody would have a fatal accident and they cleaned it up and went racing again. You well, know? yeah, I'll tell you what that made me think about was um, was in 70 was wasn't it 72 in the class or 71, I guess, was winter. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like I, of all the like I, you and I saw a lot, but like yeah. that night um, after that wreck and again, um, just envisioning how it had to be like if you were there and mm-hmm. you saw it. Right. You know, you're you're patching the fence and there we go racing again two hours yeah. later or whatever it was like you just didn't have that thought. And, and, and like you said, I was totally for stopping the game and, and yeah. could totally understand why you might want to stop a race. And yet, um, mm-hmm. you know, at the Chili Bowl, um, you know, when when Ashton you know, that, that incident and he, and he basically falls out of the car while it's flipping. Right. You know, we went back and finished the race, you know? Um, and, and so for me, um, you know, I'm, I, I don't think I have a right as, as a fan or as a human being, I don't think I have a right to go, well, they shouldn't have stopped the game or they should have stopped the race. I think that the, the 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 folks who are really involved in it i think you know you that they have the right to make that decision as to what they're comfortable with and i'm okay either way right yeah i, like, I totally agree with that i mean and, like it you just know, you know um you you could see they were i mean it affected everybody that night you well, know of course it's and uh like i said i said we 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 lived through that before. I mean, I don't think any of us wanted to go to the track, back to the track. You know, twelve hours after we lost Jimmy, but we oh, were God. all there. You I know, I mean, you know, if you if you it, 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 that's when I that that was the hardest article I've ever written that I wrote for my magazine yeah. here in November. That article about Jimmy and that night because I still can't tell the story of that weekend without crying. Like, and it's been yeah. all that. But you're right. I mean, it just yeah. it, but it's just what you did. And, and so now mm-hmm. when, when I hear somebody say, you know, well, back in the day, it's like, well, back in the yeah. day, a lot of things like, you know, it's false machoism to me. Yeah. yeah. You know I mean, to, to, to go well back then, it, you know, I mean, geez, back then we didn't, there was a day when we didn't, we didn't have roll cages on sprint cars, but we're a little smarter mm-hmm. than that now, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so but it just to think about that season and 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 the early times then and and I feel like you and I could go on for an hour. Did you have? I guess Cheney would have been your first favorite then. Is he the one you picked out as your first favorite? Yeah, yeah, okay. he was. And, okay. Uh, what What's funny is uh, you know I always liked Cheney and I always followed him to the other cars and stuff and uh-huh. then got to know him and and stuff and uh, it was real cool. Like back in around '88 when I'm working on cars and. He comes back racing for Bruce Budnick, yeah. you know, and uh, that was I thought that was pretty cool. And uh, you know, unfortunately, his life ended early. Um, yeah. But uh, I mean, just great guy, great driver. He and, was. Uh, I got to meet uh, Danny Halinski um, a couple years ago. Okay, know, who's yeah. dad who built yep. the nineteen? Yeah, I've met and, Dan. Uh, we've gotten to be pretty good friends. Um, we were actually we were going to get together yesterday, but we unfortunately it didn't work out but okay. uh you know they've got the the old 19 they found it it's down in pennsylvania so he'd like oh. to get that back i but, did not uh, know that yeah yeah so uh 
there's a guy who's it's kind of part restored, you know. Wow, but, uh, but, that's uh, awesome. I'd like to see it get back in their hands and his, you know, his family's hands, and you know. Yeah, because that so. was uh that was an I, I, I that was one of those sort of iconic cars, you know. Yeah. Um, it's it's uh you know when you think about that period, the Holinsky car that was yeah. now not all of the other Holinskys were as um as successful from a win standpoint, but, um, but again, you know, that was the house car. And then, mm-hmm. um, obviously, you know, the, the one that was the, what the 66, then the 88, then the 76 or the 29 yeah. then the 76, you know, Ronnie won the championship in one. So, um, right. you know, they, they were great cars. And, and, and when Tommy Leeson came out with his Holinsky offset car, like that was one of the most beautiful super modifieds, the color on that and the shape of it. I thought it was gorgeous. Yes. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. And, and that one, I'm, I'm sure if they would have had more time on it, you know, unfortunately he crashed early and yeah. it, uh, he, uh, I think that ended his career right there. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he, 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 I think he, he ended up driving for, I think he drove Ralph McLaughlin's car a couple times, Yeah, but yeah. Um, okay. So before we let you go, cause I feel, again, I feel like we could do three shows easy on this. <laughs> on just thinking about drivers and cars yeah. and all that. Um, and I hope that for those of you listening, I hope we, we somewhat did some of that justice, just trying to, to think about things we remember in the way that we remember them. But, um, but, uh, but we've got two numbers here. We've got four and we've got 13. Now it's a point of, um, a point of, uh, I don't want to say pride. It's a point of fun for me to just, I don't prepare for these. I just spit them out and that's why I end up forgetting somebody half the time. But uh-huh. I feel like here's two numbers that, that again, we got a variety because mm-hmm. now you and I started the same year. So the, the four car in 73, I believe, and you, you might correct me on this, but I believe that Ralph Wissing had a four car already, but I think yeah. Tommy Rose was, yeah. was in the car at that time. And Gary Kelly was driving, um, the, the the 22 car and I, I don't know who owned that you might um yeah that's correct i think dave kent owned the 22 dave, and that was the car from 1968 nolan swift car okay that's the one that became Sauters, right that's the one oh, yeah okay so gary okay. kelly drove it that year tommy rose was in ralph's car and then ralph built a new car in 74 and gary was his driver all the way up until the mid 80s yes um, but at different times, there were some different drivers because Gary sometimes either didn't make it or wouldn't be there or whatever. I remember Bruce Kraft being in that four car. I remember, yeah. um, Ronnie McLeod being in that four car. Um, yeah. you know, and there may have been, um, uh, one or two others as well, but it, 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 but for the most part, it was Kelly. And then, um, when did, and then of course, toward the end of Wissings, as he got more into, um, it, more into the offset cars, you mm-hmm. started seeing different drivers in it. Um, yeah. you know, I think once Gary, I don't know if he just retired or whatever happened, but, um, you know, you had, um, d- didn't Terry Bartlett actually drive AJ Terry and Bartlett Terry? drove it. Um, AJ Michaels drove it. Okay. Uh, AJ drove it after Kelly, I think. I, 
I remember Terry because we were we yeah, were Terry uh, drove a later we were putting one. a good word in for Terry with Ralph. You know. Okay. And, uh, I think Ralph was looking for a driver because I think AJ went to. Um, he was gone from Moochie's. I think there was a driver in between there. Maybe Sacconi drove it. Oh gosh, and, yeah, because they and, well they got the Belfiore right, and yeah, that yeah. was the one Sacconi drove. Yeah, and then oh Trey Haddock was Haddock was in that car too. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then because uh, we were talking to Ralph and uh, uh, we were putting a good word in for Terry for like 1990, and he ended up putting Terry in the car. Terry did a good job, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Terry drove it. Um, Stelter drove it. Oh, that's right. Well, well, see, the Stelter thing was goofy because remember yeah. when when Ralph um, Kelly had blown a motor or something, and and Ralph yeah. went to buy the the motor out of the thirty five car and came back with the car. Yep. And yep. <laughs> Stelter gets in it, and and yeah. Kelly had won a Concy with that was Kelly's last win was a Concy. I remember he beat Mike Reuter. And I, to this day, you know, I'll, because it was like, how did that happen? Right. Like, but, but, um, Bobby tried to qualify it for the classic. And I would just remember him spinning the tires like he used to in the 36. He could make it in, but you know, yeah, yeah Bobby. Yeah. He, you're right. He drove, didn't he run the four car at, um, wasn't that the car he drove at Syracuse once or twice? Yeah. He drove at Syracuse. yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But there were, he had, gosh, I don't even know who else would have been in that car because cause AJ did run it. I think he probably yeah. did about the best with it of the guys that. Yeah, and it was like one of his first, uh, they, he, he started in Herm's car and then got into that one. I think so. And then he yeah. had the, he drove yeah. the 48 and yeah. and then drove for Capper for a little bit. We were there at uh, the night building with his first race. Yes. And uh, the party went on for about a month but <laughs> I, yeah we we're i think we we're all over there everybody went over to over on the hill there and uh was hanging out and i was there with aj and his wife and we we're talking and he's you know he was a little down because he was struggling with ralph's car i, I yeah. said Just listen see this deal here your time's gonna come it it's gonna come soon and sure enough things worked out for him he got in the yep. 98 and three years later he was winning races you know yep. Yep. Yeah, he was, so. uh, that was, yeah, the four, the four was another one of those that had a lot of history yeah. and a lot of drivers. And, and, um, and then I know that when Jeff Carson first bought his first car, it was a yeah. four. And I think Joey Payne was the one that was in it. Um, yep. and maybe Holbrook for a short time. And gosh, where did we go with the four after that? See, I, that's where I start. We get to the eighties and nineties. I start, my brain starts yeah, you had the Jeff Miller car, four four car Joey Payne drove. Wasn't that the one Jeff bought, or maybe he just was? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he just no, sponsored it, was, it. I guess he, he just... bought Jeff Miller bought one of Pat's cars. Okay, okay. Because he had the old uh, Mucci car, okay. and then he bought so he had, yeah. a okay. West car, and he had one of Pat's cars. Okay. Um. So yeah, it was. It was. Um. Did we? Where did did we have? Um trying to think is there a four car now see that's where i have to really think as we get to more recent my brain doesn't instantly recall things well you had when matzak had two cars that's he remembered right. one Bentley. of them or and Doug then you had bobby Daryl. reese yep bob which reese i think he still owns one there he we go a few years yeah but he might have been the last one to run that number okay and then 
the one I remember, because like I said, I'm doing a little bit of research right now. Uh, Ken Fisher back in from Buffalo back in the late '60s. See, it was an Indy car, old Indy car. Wow. So didn't he also drive the Deuce? He did. I thought so. Okay, that's yep. where I know that name. Okay, yep. yeah. Okay. But, uh, okay. Yeah. So again, if you're listening, if you got any other fours, spit them out. Um, you know what to do here. So let's go to the 13. So we start with the the Roy Murphy car. Um, and, and that car is, I guess we've, we've decided that it was Muldoon in 73. Um, mm-hmm. and then Ronnie Madison in 74. And I think before the year was out, I want to say that I feel like Muldoon or maybe it was 75. He got back in it. Cause my, I think Jimmy drove it a couple different times. Yeah. He, I think he had a couple stints. I think Peckham had a stint in it. He did. Daryl Peckham, yep. Ronnie Wallace yeah. in 74 Wallace. before he and got actually, in the Miller's car. Uh, Jack Murphy in 72. Yes. I think, well, that was the first for the car, right? Jack was the first yeah. driver. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Yeah. That's what started this whole um, what's in the number thing or the whole yeah. 50 year 72 season rewind for me was that that program. Um, so then uh, there was a guy named um, Morse, Ronnie Morse. Yep. He drove it. He I was forgot a about him. friend of Cheney's. Yep. And and uh yeah, in fact Cheney talked about putting him in the when he bought the Holinsky car from Johnny Casey, which I think was that the nineteen originally? That was the original nineteen seventy two car. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cheney bought that back and ran it in yep. seventy four or five, whatever, and, and then seventy five, yeah. Um and and then well he had a stint in the ninety three car too I think in that that yep. yeah and yep. but uh, but he talked about putting Ronnie Morris in that car and mm-hmm. it, it didn't happen but yeah I remember him driving the thirteen for a little while and um and and then I don't know if anyone else I don't recall anybody else before Fang I think Fang Fang bought it and ran yeah, it yeah for seventy six was it seventy six okay yeah so. Yeah, he was the first young one. Yep. <laughs> he was yeah. the original young one. Yeah. Bert was. Yeah. Yeah, he was like 17. And, and uh, mm-hmm. if he didn't have the long hair, he would have looked 12. Um, yeah. But, um, but yeah, he ran a year and and uh, and and then Joe Hawksby bought it. And I think that was that was mm-hmm. it. I think that that uh, I don't yeah, think that any, was his first car. Yeah, I think he destroyed it somewhere, I think, or something. I don't recall mm-hmm. that car being in existence after that but um where did we go john mclaren right that's right another green 13 from texas he was aj Foyt's neighbor yeah yeah um did we have who else did we have a 13 after that in the supers because i oh tim wasn't one of the timmons cars 13 well yep bob timmons okay he flipped down the back stretch oh was that 13 Okay. That was a 13. Green 13. And then um, when Denny Wheeler sold his car, um, the guy in Fulton there, Mike Georgiatis, had it. Oh, that was that's a 13. Right. <laughs> I got to tell this story. This is a capper story. Yeah. Um, Mike, Mike, I can't tell it like Mike did, but Mike, Mike uh, was telling me that, that Georgiatis, they were, I think, at Shangri-La running a race. And Georgiatis, uh-huh. um, Mike was Greek, of course, and, George, yeah. and so you got the little Greek accent, and and and, uh, and so he says um, Mike had apparently sp- the steering wheel came off 
while he was mm-hmm. at speed and he and he spun into the infield and Mike said he got back to the pits and, and cappers cappers said, well that was something about that must have been scary and Georgiana said my heart she go a boom 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 you know it's just like, you know, it's, uh-huh. it's like there again those are the little moments that you remember yeah. and of course Mike telling the capper telling is way funnier but oh yeah but yeah that's right he was 13 and 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 uh with who is there been like where did we have another one I don't think so. That's one of those. I (laughs) I think people are scared, still scared of it. Yeah. You know, we had that history of green 13s and, you know, um, which of course defies all. You had the shamrock on that. So you're like, you know, 13 is bad luck. Green is bad luck. So you can't have a green 13. And then, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, Actually, there was one back in the nineties. Joe Hawksby drove it. Scotty Clark bought a car and had a 13 on it. Really? Yeah. I think they might have ran once or twice, but Joe Hawksby drove it. I don't remember that. That's yeah. interesting. Okay. See, I don't remember. It, it, it wasn't on the track much. Okay. <laughs> That's probably why I don't remember. I don't, yeah, I don't remember that one at all. Yeah. I re, the only thing I remember, wasn't Scotty in that the same? Oh, no, Scotty Clark, you said. Okay. Yeah. So that wasn't the same guy in the three. That was Scott. Yeah, no, uh, he was an old schoolmate of mine. Okay. Interesting. So. What car was that? I, jeez. I'm almost thinking that it was an older car too, um, maybe an old Graves car of someone's or interesting something. But it just—I uh, remember Joe helped them finish it, and Joe ran it, tried to run it in one of the classics or something. Okay, it huh. just didn't—you know—I don't remember that at all. Very interesting. Yeah. Okay, probably um, like ninety-one, ninety-two, somewhere around there. And then we, I don't think we, ha- there, nobody's really, I think the, 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 the four and the 13 have both been sort of dormant numbers for a little bit. I yeah. Think. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, folks, it's all yours now. You can go, uh, go, go tell both Mike and I everything that we forgot, um, with those yeah. numbers, but I think we, we covered them pretty well. And, and Mike has been, uh, extremely generous with his time with us. So we've, uh, you know, I knew this would be at least an hour show, um, with with you and I, but I appreciate it so much. Uh, really excited to think about um, you know that that maybe I know my first original race now because <laughs> I just had never researched it, and I, I was saying in the open for the show that I that I you know I had kind of decided I would just wait till I finally got to the seventy three season in the rewind um, show phase, and mm-hmm. and uh, and maybe I would like have an aha moment, but you, you kind of, um, gave it to me now, which is fine. Um, that's cool. That means I saw most of the 73 season. Cause I don't think, um, I don't believe, and I could be wrong, but I don't recall missing any, any shows in that period at all. My parents, one or the other would it go. And then when they didn't, my sister and brother-in-law would take me. So I don't think I missed too many, um, uh-huh. you know, but um, yeah, I, I just, um, man, it's, it's incredible to think that it's been 50 years, man. That's a yeah. long time. <laughs> yeah. That'll be, that's why I said this summer will be the 50 anniversary. So, and so. you're still involved now. See, I thought when yeah. you gave up the tire deal, it was, you were going to retire and go get a boat and go do something. And you jumped right back to the 05 car and you, it's like you never really retired. What's with that? No, I just, uh, I mean, I'm not <laughs> as involved as I was back in the nineties, you know? And, uh, 
you know, Jeff, you know, it's nice. Jeffrey, uh, he does mostly everything there, you does know, he? and it, it's fun to watch him. I help him in the shop and do some things and get parts ordered and, you know, the stuff like that and get involved a little bit on race day. But, uh, um, it's, it's fun, you know, yeah. uh, it's, it's a lot of fun watching them. Um, pets, uh, does a great job. He's, you know, he retired sort of from, uh, the working world back in July. Yeah. Sold, uh, sold, sold, sold the businesses. Yeah. Yes. Everything, but our, you know, we still have our store, but, um, you know, he's building a house in Clayton and, uh, building a dock. And he's, I mean, he's got so much stuff going on right now. He's just all over, but, uh, you know, it's fun, fun. Uh, you know, the three of us get together. That's the only time I see him, you okay. know, and, uh, get on the shop a couple of days a week and, uh, you know, had some fun this summer doing it and, uh, we'll do it again one more year, but, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's been fun doing it, you know? Oh, sure. Um, and, uh, you know, seeing everybody, uh, the people at Oswego, it's, you know, for, uh, you know, for 11 years, I was back with the tires and you didn't see a lot, you know, right. you're, yeah. you're, you're kind of stuck back there and a lot of times and you're busy all night, but, uh, you know, it, it's fun getting your hands back into it and, and, uh, you know, making some calls and, uh, helping out with some stuff and, you know, you know, doing that. So, and, uh. And seeing some of the, you know, the, the, how it's changed with the younger kids, you know, having, yeah. you know, I've known Jeffrey since he was a little kid, DJ Schulich, Brandon Bellinger, you know, since they were just young yep. kids. And, uh, you know, a lot of the kids that are coming up through now in the 350s, the young Hawksby boys, um, the De Stevens boys, um, yeah. you know, young uh, Pat, Vin Pascuzzi's boy there, uh, Drew. True. Who's yeah. now, uh, you know, Vinny and I used to go to the races all the time together. Okay. And now his boys racing, so it's kind of neat seeing that, you know. Yeah, I mean, and, it, uh, well, the generations continue, right? That's yes, I just marvel exactly. at that. I don't know, and I'm sure it happens, um, but I I don't know of another track where it it happens as often as it has at a swiggle over the years. I feel like if you went through the field in the in the three divisions, I feel like you half or more of the drivers are generational now, like mm-hmm. in some way, maybe the dad was a crew man and not a racer, but that that's to me, that counts, right? If you're oh, yeah. involved, yeah. you know, if you're a fan, it doesn't count, but if you're actually involved in it, it counts. And, and there's so much of that. And some of them are, you know, three and, you know, I mean, you know, four, whatever, um, it's just really incredible to, 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 you know, to see that. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. it's amazing. The, the, the SBS and, and the three fifty divisions, um, you know, just incredible to, to, to see the, um, the young drivers that, that, and they're, you know, they're so good at their age. It's, it's yeah. just, yeah. it's crazy, you know, yeah. and, and, and it's, you know, the thing is now it's, uh, when when guys like Bellinger and Joya started and Joe Gozik, you know, who uh who was I don't know if you know this just got nominated for the Syracuse Sports Hall of Fame. I so, saw uh, that. I was gonna yeah. Um, I think everybody should check that out and if you can uh help uh help with this and uh send some uh letters in and some encouragement for him, that'd be greatly appreciated. 
but uh, there's if you look on uh, Facebook, Joe, Doug Caruso's got a little link there. Um, okay. So race fans want to take a look at that because he's definitely deserving of it. Oh, for but sure. But not to change the subject, but guys like Joe and Eddie and Steve, they started in super modified. You know, they yep. had to learn from there, so they had a big learning curve. And now with the you know the quarter midgets, the mic rods, the go karts that these kids are starting yep. in it, like some at age five. Yep. And, you know, by the time they're 16 years old, they're 10 years of experience in a race car and they can just jump into, you know, yep. a 350 or a small block or whatever and, and go fast because they, you know, the, the learning curve is so much smaller, yep. you know, yep. and uh, that's where you see guys winning races in their rookie years and, you know, just going out there and, and going fast, you know. Well, the other so. thing is, is a lot of them, and this is, you know, this for me, I'm just explaining it as observing it as being a fact. And for other people, they use it as a knock, which I don't agree with. But, um, <clears throat> you know, a, a lot of the younger ones don't have the mechanical knowledge uh, when, when, you know, and that's why somebody like uh, Robbie Worth it to me, um, you know, I that's why I really wanted to, to, to do the interview with him and give him the time on the show, because, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's a, a kid who's been working on him way longer, obviously, than he's been driving him. And I think that understanding how the cars work gives mm-hmm. him a huge advantage over, you know, because it that will shorten his learning curve as a racer all the more because you, yeah. you, you know what to tell the crew to fix. Right. Yeah, exactly. And and I mean, that's the exact thing Pat Abel did with. Yes. Yeah. So when he got done with quarter midgets, he was 13. Yep. And he had those two years before 14 and 15 year age where, you know, you could kind of just go in a race car and go do something with a dirt car or go get a go kart, but nothing. Not going to get the knowledge you can get where he could just got on the Dunnigan crew and went well, racing with them. See, I know? was going to bring that up because, you know, and, I think Jeff got an education of many sorts with those characters, oh, yeah. Dunnigan and Bentley. And all the oh, yeah. <laughs> Probably some things yeah. Pat wouldn't have wanted him to know. But, yeah, uh, yeah that's... Like I said, some of the stuff you don't want, you, some of the stuff you're going to keep, some of the stuff you want to throw out. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. It's like, and I know there's stories that will never see the air of this show. Uh, oh, no. You know, no, but, but, not. um, oh my definitely gosh. A lot know. of them involved Bentley. Oh, of course. <laughs> well, and Dunnigan was no count. I mean, you know, we know what he yeah. did for a living, right? Um, oh, yeah. You know, yeah. um, Bentley, yeah, Bentley's joke about that was always funny. Yeah, they got those, he's got machine, he's got like the, the, the machines in the back and you, you put a quarter in and watch I, I don't even know what they do back then. You know, it's like, yes, you do. Yeah. But, you know, it's just, uh, uh-huh. Those that you you've uh, you've been so fortunate to be a part of 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 not only Oswego, but racing in general up there for so long. And, and, you know, when when you think back to the people that you've met and you've had a chance to, you know, get to know, it's 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 easy to see why you would have a hard time just totally getting out of it, because it's almost like, what am I going to do? on a Saturday night, even though there's 500 times more things you could do, like just sit and relax. Well, that's Mm -hmm. not any fun. 
Yeah, well, I don't think Lawrence Welk's on anymore. No. It's Saturday night, so. No. Probably going to have to do this for a few more years till I figure it out. Yeah, I mean, it's just, <laughs> uh, it's 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 addicting, man. And it, and that's, yeah. you know, I'm I'm thankful to God every day that I still get to to enjoy it and do it for a living. And, and so appreciate your time, Mike. And thanks for pointing <laughs> out that uh, we've both been going to the track for 50 years. Um, yeah, we'll definitely have to uh, celebrate that this summer. Yes. So we well, see you up here. So hopefully we get you up here I, a few yes, times. And... I'm trying to get up at least once or twice this year. The last two years just has not worked out. And, of course, 20 nothing happened. Um, you mm-hmm. know, and so in the last – that's part of why the last three years didn't work out is I had to do other things that actually pay me money. So yeah, um, yeah. hopefully this year we, we, um, we, I can get up there. I'd like to see at least one of John's races. And, and uh, so we'll, we'll figure that out, but yeah, uh, that's, it's pretty amazing to think, uh, think like that. And, and uh, just a lot of fun to, to, to think back and, and remember the, the good old days. Uh, yeah. as it was so yeah, definitely we we're definitely blessed with that for sure well uh again uh thank you so much mike for being on the show and thanks to all of you for listening to the show um this was uh this was a long show with only two segments but uh great to have uh mike with us and and uh it's been it, it's always fun to to go back so uh mike uh take care of yourself and uh, keep yourself well and hopefully we'll see you sometime this summer and those of you who are listening thank you for doing so feel free to uh share this show please share the show so that uh, all your friends can hear it as well and again thanks to all of our uh sponsors rich worth from jns paving and of course, uh, Sean Cathcart and the folks from LaGroff's Pub and Skip's Fish Fry Mobile Truck, and uh, uh, still a part, obviously, of the, the the Speedway each week this year. I hope, and it looks like he is. And um, and then uh, Jeff West and the folks from IPC Indy uh, have a great week, everybody. And uh, we'll see you on the next Inside Groove. Until then, I'm Tom Baker. So long. You've been listening to Inside Groove, powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com. Inside Groove is a Race Chaser Media production. For more exciting and passionate motorsport content, follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and visit racechasermedia.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliates, or marketing partners of Race Chaser Media. No part of this show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of Race Chaser Media. Thank you for listening.